The next type of prayer that we're going to practice and participate in is prayers of confession. The methods that we will be using for this type of prayer will be silent prayers. You'll have a few moments, uh, about a minute and a half to two minutes, to silently bow your head and confess to the Lord. But before that time, let me go through a couple of scriptures, our devotion to the Word. Right after that, when Isaiah sees the Lord, in verse 4 it picks up, it says, And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of Him who called out. And while the temple was filling with smoke, then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from among the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sins are forgiven. The truth of the matter is, right after we adore the Lord, as we look at who God is, the Holy One, and we give Jesus His rightful place and crown Him as Lord of Lord and Kings of Kings, that we must then consider ourselves. How do we relate to a holy God and a righteous Savior? And if we see ourselves as anything other than sinners, then we see ourselves wrongly. In Isaiah, the first chapter, it says this in the 12th verse. It says, when you come to me and appear before me, who requires of you the tramplings of my courts, bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the callings of assemblies. I cannot adore iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me, and I'm weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Verse 16 tells us then, Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean, and remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cause uh, and cease to do evil. Early on in that passage, uh, in this book of Isaiah, uh, God's talking to the people and saying, yeah, you do all these religious things. You do these wonderful feasts and you show up and give all these offerings and, and you do all the things religion requires of you. And I'm sick of it. I don't want to have it. I don't want to do it. And if we think we show up here today and that that's pleasing to God just because we showed up here today, he's like, I'm not listening. I'm not going to hear your prayers. He gives us instructions for us to take responsibility for ourselves. He says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, that we are responsible for coming to the Lord and cleansing ourselves. To know what He's offered to us, and we can't just go through religious motions and have unrepentant hearts and unconfessed sins. That it accomplishes nothing if it's just a mere act of religious duty. And so I want to also read from the first John chapter one. It says, so if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So the clear teaching of scripture is that if we want to have an encounter with God, if we want him to honor our time together and we want his presence with us, we must take time to confess. Like I said, we will have a few moments to do that. But let me teach you a quick thought on what confession is. In that passage in 1 John 1, the word confess means simply to say the same thing. To say the same thing that God says or to agree with God. And so I think there's three agreements in these moments of confession you need to make. 
First, you need to agree with God on what the identity of your sin is. That we all have sin in our lives. The passage of Scripture is true there. If we say we don't sin, we're deceiving ourselves. And so what it means is some of the things we struggle with that we need to stop justifying ourselves. We need to stop making amends and say, well, this might be bad or this might not be bad or this might be not be ideal. But we need to stop that and just simply call it and identify it as what it is. It is sin. He who knows what to do is right and doesn't do it. It is sin. And so we need to call it that and agree with God about what it is and stop trying to excuse ourselves or make ourselves a a way to continue in the same pattern that we've also had. The second agreement that we need to do with God is we need to agree what that punishment of sin should be. That no matter how big or small we might identify that sin is, it's against the holy, perfect, 100% righteous God who's been eternally perfect and holy. And the only just punishment for a sin against such a being would be eternal punishment. It is not the, the gravity of the sin as we see it, but it's the, it's the gravity of who the sin is against. And the Bible says you've sinned against me and me alone, says the Lord. And so when we realize what the punishment of our sin is, can we agree that this small sin, this little thing that we may see, or no matter how small or big it is, that we can agree, I should be eternally separated from God because of this. If you can make those two agreements, then the third one, I think, is easy. Because the third agreement is the reparation for sin. That we agree there is nothing I can do for my sins. There's nothing I can do about my sin. There's nothing I can do to repay and repair repair the, the damage my sin has done between me and God. And so I must have help. There's nothing I can do but only what Jesus did. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no one who comes to the Father except through him. There's one mediator between man and, Christ, and God, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. That he is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, and that is what he came for. And so if you can agree with me in these moments to identify your sin, to accept the punishment for your sin, I think to cry out to Jesus, oh, forgive me for what you came. I am a sinner. I put my faith in your sacrifice for that. So some of us need to be here today to confess sins. But there's another prayer that some of us here today may need to pray. It won't be a prayer of confession, but it'll be a prayer of repentance and surrender. For those of us who have already given our lives to Christ, we need to confess and come again and again, thanking Him for His sacrifice. But there are those here today who've never surrendered their life to God. As I recently asked someone who said, I said, what does surrender mean? And they said, to give it all up. And I said, that's exactly right. If you haven't given it all up to God, the day is the day that you could pray this prayer for the very first time and say, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit without your without your help, I'm going to hell and I believe in Jesus to save me. As you could give that that surrender to Christ, say, I give you my life. Come and be my God. That this time could be that time when you give Jesus all. If you pray that prayer today, then I would encourage you to see me afterwards. So we can set up a time for baptism. I'm planning a baptism service soon in the future. There are those who are who are thinking about that. And we would love to include you in that. So that you can make public your surrender to Christ. I just want you to understand that these moments are really important for the rest of our service. For those who are believers, for us to confess again. And to repent and turn from our sin again. and, And agree with God about it. And for some to do it for the very first time. And so now... We know what confession is. Let's take some moments 
and deal with the Lord silently among ourselves. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, as these, your people, finish their moments of silent prayer, confessing to you, Lord, I pray that you would give someone courage today to surrender their life completely to you. I pray for those of us who have made that decision to recommit ourselves, that we've been praying for a revival, Father, and that you will revive us, that you will move within us so that we can take your word to the world, so that we share that with other people, Father. Lord, here now our prayers our prayers of confession your word tells us that you will hear from heaven and you will forgive so throughout the rest of this service father help us have a a clearer sense and a deeper expectation and a deeper understanding of your presence here because we've removed whatever barriers have been in our lives keeping us from hearing you i pray you will make your voice clear to these your people as we move forward towards our time of the table, I pray that, that we have done business with you rightly, that we have rightly judged ourselves so that we will not be under judgment when we come to the table today. May you be praised and glorified for all that you've done in Christ's name. It seems only right then that our next type of prayer, as we move from adoration, adoring God for who he is, amazing him being the Holy One in heaven and Jesus the King of Kings, and we've looked at ourselves and how we fall very short of that righteousness and holiness. And we've confessed that. And we realize that if you prayed that prayer of confession, that it says Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins. What more can we say at this moment than thank you, thank you, thank you. And so our next type of prayer will be prayers of thanksgiving, where we give thanks to the Lord for what he's just done among us. 
because he's assured me of my salvation and he's cleansed me of my sins and he hears me all new and fresh. There's no barriers between him and I right now. And for that, I'm grateful. The method we're going to use after we sing another song of prayer is Randy's going to come and he's going to use a guided prayer, helping lead us through a time of thanksgiving. Lauren, come. After we're done praying, the ushers will come to take our offering. And I remind you, this is Communion Sunday, and we take up a second offering today. The first is our regular offering. The second one is where the congregation of the church uh, wants to share resources that they have with people who are in need. 
And so uh, we take a second offering up, and the deacons manage that fund and help people in our church who are in need, and even outside of the church. There's a variety of ways we can show our gratitude and thanks to the Lord. One of the, one of the ways that we can do that is in our offering. Another way we are, show that we're thankful to the Lord and show our gratitude is our service to the Lord, and we find ways to minister and to serve other people. And sometimes it's just directly saying to Lord, to the Lord, I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful about that. So, as Jason said, I would like to, you to do the praying, and I'll make the suggestions of what we might pray for. So let's bow our head. Would you tell the Lord that you're grateful and thankful to Him because you have the health to be here today, realizing there's many people that wish that they could be? Would you say thanks to the Lord for His love? No matter what we've ever done before this day in our life, the Lord loves us just as much. Would you tell the Lord that you're thankful for His mercy, that He doesn't give us what we do deserve, and we're also grateful that He has great patience with us? Would you tell the Lord you're grateful for his Holy Spirit, that he comes and helps us, and helps us to see things the way that Jesus would and does? Would you tell the Lord that you're grateful that he always wants the best for us, that he's in heaven rooting for us every hour of every day? Would you tell the Lord that you're grateful that he's such a powerful God? He can absolutely do anything that he chooses to. And he has the power to help us no matter what our need is. And would you tell the Lord that you're grateful for his protection. For the times that you can think of. And for many times that you didn't even know that he was protecting you. Would you tell the Lord that you're grateful for the times that he shows himself to you? could be in a variety of ways, through a friend, through a sunset, through an answer to prayer. But God does reveal himself to those who seek him. And finally, would you tell God that you're so thankful that he has guaranteed eternal life to anyone who puts their hope and faith in his son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
This is the time of service when we usually dismiss our children to go to Junior's Church. We're not going to do that just yet. We're going to ask the kids to sit there with their moms and dads. Uh, we do, we're going to do another type of prayer at this time, and it's called the prayer of intercession. Prayer of intercession is where you go to the Lord on behalf of someone else and uh, pray for their good, pray for their blessings, pray for things that, uh, as Randy challenged us last week, from the perspective of God, what uh, those people need. So Vicki's going to come and she's going to lead us in a prayer of intercession. She's going to intercede today for our children and for their families, praying that uh, what God wants for those children and those families. She's also going to be interceding on behalf of Scott and his students that are there in Puerto Rico. Today is their free time and they'll be traveling across the island before they start their work tomorrow. Her specific request was unity. And we pray that this will be life-changing events. And so for all you parents and all you kids, which if we really think about it, all of us are kids of somebody, uh, Vicki will be interceding for us. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, because you are faithful, Lord. And we thank you, God, that when we cry out to you, God, we know that you hear us, Lord God. And we know that your heart, God, is touched for children. Lord, you, you acknowledged in your word, God, just you ask us to have the heart of a child, God, that faith, that innocence. And Lord, I just ask, God, that you protect our children, God. I ask that you watch over them, God, and everywhere that they go. And I pray, God, that you give them hearts to love you, God, hearts to serve you. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you will keep them from the distractions of this world, Lord. It is a cruel world. And we just ask, God, that you keep them in the shelter of your arms, God. We pray, Jesus, that you watch over them. Lord, I pray for their parents. And I ask, God, that you help their parents, Lord Jesus, just to understand the responsibility that you have given them. And Lord, I pray that they would teach their children, God, that you would give them strength. We know at times they become weary. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give them singleness of heart, God, for you. And Lord, that as they love you, as they are devoted to you, Lord, I pray that they would just infuse that into the lives of their children. And Lord, I pray that your hand will be upon the families of this church. Lord, I ask that you would use them, God, to touch the world. Lord, we don't know what plans you have for these children. And so, Lord, I ask that they would grow up to love you and to serve you and to honor you. And, Lord, I just pray that you would keep your hand upon them. And, Lord, we do also want to pray for Scott. God, we want to pray for the team, Lord, that went to Puerto Rico. God, we ask that your hand will be upon them. And, Lord, we do pray for unity, God. We pray for blessing, God. I pray that it will be a time that will change the lives of these young people, Lord, that they will just love you with all of their hearts. Lord, I pray that you will be with them as they minister to those people that are so in need. Lord, I ask that you help them, God, to be a blessing. Lord, I pray that it will just change the lives of the students. It will change the lives of the people that they're helping. And Lord, we just ask God that it will lift up your kingdom. Lord, we pray that others we brought into your kingdom because of this experience. 
And we just thank you, God. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for what you want to do in our lives and in our church. And we just ask God, just continue. Continue to do your work. Change us and transform us and make us more like you. And give us hearts that love you, God. Give us hearts that serve you. And Lord Jesus, I just thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now we dismiss our children to the junior church. just done is what we normally do or may normally think of as prayer in a church where one person comes up and voices the prayer and we all kind of sit in our spots and and do whatever it is we do. Uh, It's what we generally call corporate prayer or our prayers together and I want to talk to us just for a moment about the roles in corporate prayer and then we're going to pray corporately again. When I look at that, I think there's a number of roles, maybe four different roles when it comes to this idea of praying together uh, and corporately. First, the first role is the prayer, the the person who gets that great responsibility, uh, often dodged by most of us for most of our lives of being standing in front of people and offering and talking to God on behalf of everyone. It's funny that... uh, most of us feel like there's special qualifications and special ways and, and only certainly, you know, qualified people who can make that phone call to God on behalf of us all. But I believe it should be the mark of every believer that we know how to talk with our Father. And sometimes it can be simple and sometimes it can be uh, fumbling and mumbling. But I, I rest myself uh, well in the thought that God uh, judges the intentions of the heart and not the performance of the performer. And so that when we come to this person, that that encourages all to try to at some time be able to take on that role of the prayer. The one who stands up and, and says the words for an entire congregation. The next role, and this is the role that I hope most of us play, is the active listener. The person who is engaged with the conversation. You know, we have a lot of conversations at different times. And just because people don't speak in a conversation doesn't mean that they're not part of the conversation. I learned a lot in my life from being part of conversations that I never spoke a word in. I think about the table when I was around the table with my parents and my mom and my dad would be talking to one another, conversing with one another. And I sat there eating my hamburger and my hot dogs and my macaroni and cheese and never said a word to the conversation. But I was rightly engaged in it. I heard what they said. I listened to their responses and I gained much life knowledge by just being an active listener. For many of us, we can play that role when we have corporate prayer, that we're here listening very actively to what's going on. We're hearing the conversation between the prayer and God, and we're learning with them, and we're actively listening and not tuned out. The other role that often, that I think we need more of in our church, and in our churches, is the supportive listener. Those of us who will give uh, word to the idea of support. The Bible says where two or three, where, where two agree, it is done. And so I've taken on the practice of often just in prayer saying, I agree with that. 
I agree with that. I agree with that. And so you're so, you, you go from just actively listening to actively participating in the prayer, being that, that support agent saying, God, what he just said, I agree with that. That's two of us. <laughs> you know, maybe we get some more people to agree with that and say, God, these are things that we really believe in. This is things that we really want, that we really need and we really desire. And we realize that we must come to you to do that. And so whether you say, I agree or amen or give that occasional, hmm, where you respond in some kind of way because it's, it's touched you somewhere deep in your heart. I think those are more than just active listeners. They're, they're the supporters. Right now, I'm going to add, a, a, I said four, so we're going to make it five because I just thought of another one. I came today with a lot of notes, or with, with few notes, with some ideas, but just trying to be openly led in our time together. So the fourth role that I think about is the person who's actively praying, um, but they kind of pray their own prayers. They start and engage with the person, but, but something that is said has led them off into a different trail. And they, and they kind of take their own time to pray about something else that, that is a, a reflection of what they heard the, the prayer say. And they kind of follow a, a different rabbit trail. And I think they're completely, uh, praying in the spirit that way. And we need people who are doing that. Just, just going with the flow of the spirit and following his leading into other ideas of prayer that we may not have thought of or that the, that the particular prayer may not have thought of. And then there's the one that I know I have been at times in my life and the one I hope we have very little of, and that's the potential prayers. You know, those people who have great potential to take part in this, they could either be an active listener, they could be a supporter, they could be that spirit-led person who's going off into a different uh, different idea altogether and kind of praying on our behalf and in secret and we're not even sure what's going on. But they're just sitting there full of potential. I think about it like this in my body. My body has a lot of potential, right? Fat is nothing but potential energy stored up in our body. And that's okay. It's not unhealthy, except for when it doesn't get converted into actual energy. When it just sits around and just remains potential energy, then you become obese, and so I'm wondering if a lot of our churches and a lot of the churches in America have become obese because they have a lot of potential prayers who haven't turned into actual prayers, who haven't actually become engaged in the idea of prayer, and especially in corporate prayer. I can remember times when I was little, and I should probably be ashamed to do this, but I'm banking on I'm not the only person who's done it, that I would lean my head on the pew in front of me acting like I was taking a good position of prayer and I was listening and hoping not to miss one word. That's the amen. So I would know when to raise up and not fall asleep. If all you do when we pray corporately is listen for the amen, then you're just potential prayer. And so I want to encourage us all, as the Bible says, a healthy, growing, dynamic church is a church that's devoted to prayers to take on some role of prayer. Whether it's the prayer, where it's the active listener who's just learning from the conversation, whether you're the supportive listener who's agreeing verbally in some way, uh, in your heart, out loud, amen, I agree, or the deep, mm. Whether you're the spirit-led prayer who's, who's provoked by something that's said and, and, and go praying into ways that the spirit would have you lead and pray for us. But just don't be potential prayer. Move beyond potential to actual prayer. So in the next moments, we're going to take time to pray together again. 
We're going to use another acronym. Scott talked about action, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. By the way, we're skipping supplication today because that's the one we do a lot of. That's prayers where we ask for things. And so we, that's probably the bulk of most of our prayers. So we're going to admit that from our things today, um, that we're going to do the other kind of prayers. But we're going to use one that Miss Ruth teaches us and Lauren teaches us quite often, right? J-O-Y. Jesus, others, and yourselves. And we're going to pray corporately for uh, uh, praising Jesus. We're going to pray corporately for others, especially for the other churches in our area. Uh, as you know, I've been praying with those pastors, and this has been a blessed time for us. Uh, this week, I had the chance to meet with a pastor whose theology is very different than my own. And as we talked and as we debated theology and how we viewed things differently, we got to realizing that our lines, how we define things, get really, really, really close to each other. And we were grateful for that. Things we thought that separated us by miles, we found out only maybe separate us by millimeters, if at all. And that uh, there's a unity within the body because we've been praying together and listening to each other. And so we're praying for revivals. And just so you know, we're in the process and we're hoping to, this Good Friday, uh, have a community communion service there's about six churches right now hoping to get together on Good Friday and share communion together, saying we have, we worship in different buildings on Sundays. We have some theology we think separates us quite far, but one thing we agree on is the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ in the table, and it unites us above all things. And we want to be a witness to our community and to each other and celebrate that unity we have, our common union as we refer to it here quite often. And so we'll pray for that. And then we'll pray for the Lord to continue to guide us and bless us with his spirit. So as we go into corporate prayer, I'm going to ask you to do another favor for me. Would you stand? Hold hands. Even across the aisle, if you feel so led. Recognizing that we pray together as one. I'll be the one to be the prayer. You can be active. You can be a supporter. You can pray as the Spirit leads you. Just pray. Our dear gracious Heavenly Father, we stand before you, your people united. We hold each other's hands as a symbol of the binding of our hearts together. And we thank you for Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he laid down his life for us. It's in his name that we are one. He has given us, the Bible says, He has opened the way that we would be uh, adopted as children of God. And we thank you for Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. He's the Messiah. He's our Lord. And He is our hope. He is what brings us together in this place and what gives us not only the chance to hold hands, but to hold hearts. Father, I pray that if there is any animosity, if there's any unforgiveness, if there's any grudges, if there's any uh, distrust, if there's any uh, suspicion that would separate us from being completely joined together, Lord, that you help us get rid of that. The Bible tells us that if we're here to give our offerings and we know that a brother has something against us, leave our offering and go be reconciled to our brother so that you will be glorified. Lord, the Bible says that the world will know we are Christians by the love we have for one another. We'll know that we are Jesus followers by how we love one another. And so help us to love one another as Jesus loved us. See our unity. Father, we want to pray for others. 
We want to pray for others that we're connected to, for our brothers and sisters in Clarion, for the other churches that, that believe in Jesus, that give their lives to Jesus, and that believe in the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross for their sins. We worship in different buildings. We have different theologies. We have different practices, Father. But we are one. We are brothers and sisters. And we pray that as we, the pastors, and our uh, our time together grows, Lord, I pray that it will flow to our churches and then flow to our community. And I pray for this upcoming service that we're going to try to have, Father, where we show Clarion that no matter Methodist or CMA or whatever title we use behind our names, Father, that we first of all love Jesus. And he made us one by his blood and his body. And we celebrate Good Friday together. I pray it will be a glorious time and lift up Jesus highly in our community. Lord, I want to pray for those churches. I pray your blessings on them. There's enough lost people in Clarion to fill all our churches, Father. And so I pray as each church is revived, you will help us overflow to the salvation of loss and fill our churches and move within Clarion. We move within our community, within our county and our state and begin a, a work in our country starting in this little town in northwest Pennsylvania. And Lord, for ourselves, I thank you for these people. I thank you for their love for one another. That's a blessing of God. I thank you for their devotion to Jesus and their devotion to the word. And Lord, I pray that this year, as we continue to do what you tell us, as we devote ourselves to the Holy Scriptures, as we devote ourselves to this fellowship, as we devote ourselves to the table and examine ourselves very carefully, and as we devote ourselves to prayer, Father, that you will continue to bless us and guide us. Fill us with your spirit. Grace us with your presence. And give us ears to hear as you speak to us. Give us courage to follow that up with action and give us the accountability to share that with one another. Father, we love you. You are good. You are gracious. You are glorious. And you are great. And all your people said, Amen. So we've devoted ourselves, quite honestly, all this, this entire service, we've been devoted to prayer after prayer. We have prayed prayers of adoration, we've prayed prayers of confession and thanksgiving, intercession, and we've prayed together. We've turned to the scripture over and over, and now it's time to be devoted to the table. And so hopefully in the moments that you've had, that this has been one big lead up to our time at the table. We're going to do it a little bit differently today. The deacons are gathering. They'll be coming down and taking their places. We're going to kind of re-practice everything we did. We're going to sing a song, which I hope you sing as a prayer. Then we'll have a scripture reading. We'll have a corporate prayer. And then we'll pass out the elements. And so join me as we come to the table and our common union. May God be praised from our time at the table today.
Father, we come before you today humbly and in awe of you. Lord, that you would send your Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live perfectly obedient for us, Lord, because we do not live perfectly obedient. And that through him, Lord, you would you would accept his obedience for ours and look upon him. Lord, when you see us. And we just thank you. Thank you for that acceptance. And thank you for adopting us into into him, Lord, through his payment, through his sacrifice, and giving that to us, though we don't deserve it. Thank you so much. Thank you for your love. Amen.
You hold in your hand an emblem representing the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. You ever thought about why? Why would he do such a thing? Well, first I want you to hear from John's gospel, and then I have a favor to ask. From John's gospel, the third chapter, it tells us the reason of the sacrifice. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. My request is before you take this to out loud say, God loves me. I'm going to ask you to stand then as we sing this next song. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to your table today in grateful remembrance of what your son Jesus Mm. did at Calvary. Mm -hmm. Even while we yet were separated of you by our sins, Mm. he willingly shed his blood and died for a punishment that we deserved. 
And in doing so, he paid for once and for all the enormous debt that we owed. Through his sacrifice, our sins are forgiven. Through his resurrection, death was defeated and the way was opened for those who put their faith in Jesus to experience eternal life in your presence. Lord, we take this cup remembering the atoning blood of Jesus and we drink it with a grateful heart, giving you praise and glory for your amazing love and mercy and grace and all that Jesus has done through us. We ask this now in his his name. Amen. We talked first about the reason for the sacrifice. Now I want you to hear about the results of the sacrifice. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. One of the great results of this sacrifice is that we can go boldly into the presence of God and talk with him. And so I'm going to ask you, take one moment, say a one sentence prayer before you take the cup. My great and sincere prayer is that today, as we've been obedient to the scriptures, we've devoted ourselves to the word, we've devoted ourselves to the fellowship, to the prayer, and to the breaking of bread. I hope and pray you've had an encounter with God. If you have, then you need to praise him. Please stand with me.